It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Yo, welcome to Locked On Wizards on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, happy Easter, everybody, and um, happy Easter Sunday. Also, it's the third day of Passover. Passover is eight days long, so if you celebrated Passover or any other religious holiday, I don't know if any others exist, but happy holidays to everybody. I am Noah Getzel, and I'm your host of uh, Locked On Wizards today. Tonight, whatever you want to call it, I'm here with Alex Friedman, who's a lifelong Chicago Bulls fan. He actually has been a fan ever since he was a little baby when he got awesome box seats to see um, MJ and the Bulls play, um, which is kind of rare. I don't know how much he could appreciate it at that point. But Alex, um, I want to welcome you into the show and say thanks so much for letting me borrow your dress shoes the other weekend. Um, I apologize about that mishap. I gave the shoes to my mom. She is mailing them back to you, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> I'm not too worried about the shoes. I'm happy to hear that they're being taken care of and that uh, they'll be back in my possession again soon. But uh, don't worry about it. I'm glad to be on today with you, Chad, some Bulls Wizards. Yeah. Um, look, looking forward to it. So today we've got some interesting... Uh, it was an interesting weekend for the Wizards because uh, John Wall came back against the Charlotte Hornets. He had an outstanding performance. I don't think anyone expected him to be going that strong. And he had 15 points, 14 assists, and just looked like he was, you know, faster than the competition, uh, like he basically has been his whole career. So we're going to talk about how much worse the Wizards played after that amazing debut for John Wall and the Wizards uh, after his injury, which clinched the Wizards' playoff spot before they totally got crushed by 19 points uh, to Alex Friedman's Chicago Bulls. Uh, with Beal struggling with inconsistency, with after you know the Wizards making 18 threes, they let the Bulls hit 18 of them, shooting 18 of 34 the very next day, 11 in the first half. It was just a, a poor performance altogether against the Bulls, their second day of the back-to-back. And essentially now the Wizards have no chance of being a top-five seed, so they've got to work with the six, seven, or eight placements. And then also... Um, the Wizards have to figure out the best way to tweak their rotation as, you know, they reintegrate John Wall. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how guys like Jody Meeks or possibly Marching Gorta or even Jan Mahimni might see less and less time as uh, they go with a smaller and faster lineup. And finally, we're, we're going to 
going to talk a little bit in our final segment about uh, the playoff picture and predictions and how much different injuries, especially Kyrie Irving and Joel Embiid, will, will impact things on the Eastern Conference. So let's start right here with a recap of the Bulls and Wizards game. And this was a really frustrating game if you're a Wizards fan, uh, as have been many games this season, because the Bulls aren't trying to win right now. In fact, a lot of people in Chicago and Illinois would probably rather see them lose and tank to try and get a better pick in the draft. But instead, uh, the Wizards, let's see, they let guys 6 foot 11 or taller hit nine three-pointers. Uh <laughs> Laurie Markkinen, I don't, I think I'm butchering his first name. Markkinen went five of eight from three-point land. He's seven feet tall. Bobby Portis had 18 points. Markkinen had 23, and Portis went uh, four for five. And it was just ugly in terms of the Wizards' defense. What did you think was was clicking for the Bulls, Alex? Uh, the Bulls, quite simply, were hitting shots. The Wizards, you could definitely tell, came out a little flat, maybe a little not as focused as they needed to be. Uh, that could happen on a back-to-back set. John Wall not being on the court definitely impacted them. I'm sure it was a huge rush of adrenaline having him back last game. I'm sure it was just great to like. It, it was fun to watch him run. I mean, he just speeds up the team so much. Like he's one of the fastest players in the NBA, and when he's on the court, the Wizards as a team are simply running more, and um, that could have had an impact on the fatigue level. But tonight, I think they were a little lackluster in the Bulls. Um, they, they played well. Uh, they've had some issues with moving the ball. Um, tonight the ball was moving very well. Uh, players were getting open open looks, and they were hitting those open looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for a lot of the season, those shots quite simply haven't been going down. I mean, Bobby Portis, you said, putting up 18 points in his 16 minutes tonight. He looked fantastic. Kilpatrick, who was a new addition to the team, he, he looked really good. Markinen looked incredible. Um they were just quite simply hitting their shots tonight. Um, not much you can do when a team's hitting their shots. Like yeah, that. and I didn't even realize until looking at the box score a little bit closer now, you guys had 10, 12, 12 players played. playing. Nobody got Everybody. over 25 minutes, or 26. Uh, Jeremy Grant had the most. But I, I just, you know, the balanced scoring, you had, what, six guys in double figures, it's surprising Bobby Portis played just 16 minutes and was such a killer. It's, oh my, like, I don't, I don't even know what to think of this. Everybody got time. Everybody contributed. And it seemed a little bit, even in the second quarter, like the Bulls were trying to give the the game away to the Wizards. They were up by, like, 10 or 12. I think it was, like, 52 to 40, something along that, that realm. And then the Wizards suddenly, like, showed some life. They went on, I think, an 8 nothing run. And it's like, okay, it's going to be a competitive ball game. And then uh, the Wizards just started giving up turnover after turnover. Um, they ended up with 17 turnovers in the game, even though the Bulls were turning it over too. And it just went back to that double-digit roadblock, and it really never got any closer in the fourth quarter. It, it got even spread further. And then it was interesting because the Wizards were playing their starters with like five minutes left, and the game was totally out of reach. So I didn't quite understand that part. But it, it was an awful performance against you know, a team that's not going anywhere. And the Wizards have had these performances all year round, so you can't really be surprised anymore, even though these are the last games of the season and the Wizards should just be tuning up for a postseason run, but clearly they can't get over the weakest of opponents. And I'm sure fatigue did set in to some degree. I'm sure everyone was like, oh my God, we're so good with John Wall. Like, what are we supposed to do without him, even though it was just one game? But I, 
I don't know. It was it was not a good look. One guy who really struggled, who I think Bradley Beal takes a, a lot more heat than I think he deserves, but I think inconsistency has been, you know, a bit a bit of an issue for him. Like he shot five of seventeen here uh, today on Sunday. He was two for eight in the first half, and he missed all six of his three point attempts. The Wizards were awful from three point land. Uh, total opposite from the Bulls. The Wizards missed 22 out of 30 of their threes, so they were shooting just over 25%. And then uh, after going 6 for 8 off of a lot of John Wall's feeds on Saturday against the Hornets, yeah, that was a great three-point shooting performance. Beal was 0 of 6. And he hasn't even shot 50% or greater in, seems like, a while. He's, let's see, so against the Bulls, 5 of 17 um, against Charlotte, he was he played well. That was one of the rare games, I guess, that he did shoot over 50%. He was 8 of 14, but then 6 of 17 in the loss against the Pistons, um, 3 of 8 for only 7 points against the Spurs, 5 of 17 against uh, New York Knicks um, last Friday, and then like 9 of 18, 9 of 13, he was solid. But yeah, I guess it's just been a very recent dry spell when you look at Bradley Beal's game, you know, this is his first year being an all-star. Is there anything that jumps out as to you as, as places where he seems to still need to continue to improve? Do you see any weaknesses in his game uh, watching him from afar, Alex? Uh, well, the one thing you touched upon, the consistency, that's something every player wants. Very few players are able to go out every night and perform to their peaks. But uh, Bradley Beal, I think, has been one of the more streaky players in the NBA over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when I see him go through cold stretches like this, I think it's somewhat expected. I mean, shooter's got to just keep shooting. And Bradley Beal's an incredible shooter. But um, I wouldn't read too much into the recent dry spell. Um, he's a great shooter. If him and Walt can get clicking for the playoffs, they can be a real trouble to handle uh, in the backcourt for any backcourt in the Eastern Conference. As far as overall game, um, Bradley Beal's always been a guy that I've really liked watching play. I mm-hmm. always thought he was a pretty complete player that's shown good progression over the past few years. Uh, his first few years in the league, I know he um, he missed some time with various injuries here and there, so he was never really able to reach that all-star level like you said he was able to reach this season. Um, I think he's, he's right up there with some of the best shooting guards in the league. There's definitely a tier above him, but um, John Wall Bradley Beal, I think, is a great backbone for a franchise. As far as like individual shooting guards, like Bradley Beal is in the upper echelon of the league as far as shooting guards go. Um, I don't think he's at that like elite level quite yet. There's a few shooting guards that I think are above him, but I think there's a good group of shooting guards that he falls into that are much better than your average shooting guard. And I mean, Bradley Beal can he can kill you like single handedly. He's got that sort of talent and he's not just a shooter he can get to the hoop he can create plays for his teammates uh he's not an excellent defender but he's not a negative defender either um he holds his own i think on the defensive side of this uh ball i haven't looked into the advanced metrics but i'm Mm -hmm. sure he's not a liability on that end uh i think bradley beal is a great player to have between john wall bradley beal and otto porter that's a lot of money going to your uh traditionally speaking, one, two, and three positions. Um, So it's kind of tough to balance it out, but uh, those three are a great solid core, and um, I think the Wizards are a lot of fun to watch. I think they have a few good role players uh, that add to their depth 
that can make them a challenge in a seven-game series against most teams in the NBA. But I do think um, for them to have real success in this postseason, like we're going to have to see consistency from Bradley Beal, John Wall, and then I think we're going to have to see some of the other players really step up. Um, One maybe of those, not on a consistent yeah. basis, but they need to step up. One of those guys will definitely have to be uh, Kelly Oubre, as he's been often referred to as the X-factor for the team. Against Charlotte, of course, the Wizards won big by 14. He went just 2 of 14, though. Uh, awful shooting game, making 14% of his shots. Uh, 1 of 9 from deep. And then he, he followed that up here on Sunday with a 2 of 8 performance. Missed all 3 of his 3s. So he's definitely got to get back on track. Yeah, the, the Wizards bench is definitely shrinking. But I think you're you're right in terms of there's a lot to be happy about if you're a Wizards fan. When you've got Porter and Beal and John Wall who's been a little bit, you know, he's had some injury history, but it's a very young core, and so it's kind of expected that they'll go through some of these growing pains, but at the same time, it's, you know, it just leaves Wizards fans disappointed to see how well they can play, and then the very next game, how, you know, how they can just drop a goose egg and totally uh, fall short of their expectations and their potential. Once again, I'm your host, Noah Getzel. And I'm from Wizards Extra. I've been reporting on the team for four seasons. This is my second season as the beat reporter going to all the Wizards games over the summer. Um, I'm going to up my role a little bit more, be at the practices, really uh, covering free agency and the draft and those sorts of things as well. And we've got Alex Friedman here calling in from Chicago, uh, my good friend from college. We were fraternity brothers back in the day, Delta Tau Delta, and now he is living the life in Chicago. Um hooking us up and giving us some bulls insight. So let's take a look at the playoff picture and how the impact of injuries are going to affect some of the different teams in the Eastern Conference, Alex. Just watching, uh, I think it's too early to make any assumptions, but after John Wall's first game back, he pretty much looks like he didn't skip a beat. He he was going full speed. He was you know faster than a lot of players and uh, making the passes that he's always been able to make. He, he hit some threes. He played well. How, how much of an issue do you think his, you know, getting up to speed in terms of recovering from the injury is going to be? Or is he basically full go, don't worry about minute restrictions, aside from, you know, doing a, a sort of Tom Thibodeau type of uh, torture treatment on him? Do you, do you think uh, John Wall has concerns or does, does it look like he's, he's going to be playing fine and contributing and still being the leader for the Wizards in these uh, postseason games as that, as that rolls through? Um, I mean, I think it was great to see the minutes he played in his uh, return. It was 32, I believe. Um, so the fact that they're willing to roll him out there and let him go full go like that with no restrictions is definitely a good thing to see. Uh, I'm also guessing that they probably kept him out uh, a little longer than they felt they needed to just to really make sure that he was healthy. Uh, yeah. You definitely want to have a couple games at the end of the season and try to get some synergy going with your teammates, but... In the end, uh, the health is really what this comes down to. I can see health having a huge impact on this playoffs in general, seeing who advances, who doesn't, if there's any major upsets to be had. But as far as John Wall and the Washington Wizards look, um, I think the way he looked against Charlotte was great. I think holding him out in the back-to-back made sense, uh, mm-hmm. especially against the Bulls team that they should have been able to handle without him. Um, should have, keyword. <laughs> yeah, they should have been able to, but uh, I mean, sometimes shots are falling, shots aren't falling. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, but I, I was pretty surprised. I, I'm excited to see him over the rest of 
the regular season just to make sure there aren't any hiccups before the playoffs. Mm -hmm. One thing that really impressed me, not just in the way that he was playing and his speed and his ability to find teammates, was his lack of turnovers. Uh, In the game, as you mentioned, he played 33 minutes, which was a lot more than I expected. I thought it would be more in the 10 to 20 range, or maybe 15 to 20. But yeah, 33 minutes, he shot 6 to 17, which isn't great. That's like 33%. Hit a couple threes. 15 points, 14 assists, just three rebounds. He had a steal, and yeah, four turnovers is, is a good look for sure. When it comes to injuries in one game, as much as I can say, it looks like he is pretty much recovered. Do you think that, uh, like, how much of a shakeup will it be in terms of uh, Kyrie Irving and what the, the Boston Celtics can do, and then you've got the Sixers who have uh, Embiid on the, on, the, on the shelf for a little bit as he recovers from that? <laughs> friendly fire facial fracture after colliding yeah. with uh, Markel Fultz. Yeah. Let's talk about the Sixers first. Do you think, first of all, the Wizards are like out of contention for the 4-5 matchup. They're kind of, you know, I, I would assume they finished the 6th seed, but they've been underperforming so much I wouldn't be surprised if they fall to the 8th seed. Do you think, who do you think is going to get that 3rd seed in the Eastern Conference? That 3rd seed in the Eastern Conference, that is tough to predict at this point. I need to look at who the remaining games are against. But mm-hmm. um, Cleveland's kind of in a weird place right now with the influx of injuries they have. They have some players coming back recently, so they're still kind of like the Wizards are with reacclimating to John Wall. Cleveland's kind of in that sense doing the same thing, not so much with a star player coming back, but just with the amount of pieces they have that were gone and are coming back. They're still, I think, in a way, gelling. Um, yeah. So... Them losing a couple games down the stretch is definitely foreseeable. Philadelphia missing Embiid, um, definitely a huge impact to them winning games down the stretch. But uh, as we saw Ben Simmons show, I'm, I think we're going to see a lot more of that while Embiid's out. And uh, as far as playoffs go, I'm a lot less worried about Embiid's injury compared to Kyrie Irving. But I'm pretty sure Embiid will be back in that first round. And... I, I would not want to see the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. I think that's going to be a handful. Some young athletic players. Uh, Schultz is back in the lineup now. He hasn't really been unleashed yet. You'd rather We're see the Sixers. You'd rather see the Sixers than the Cavs and LeBron, though, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a Wizards fan, at least, and you're going to get most likely yeah. that that number yeah. six seed. Um, yeah, the Sixers have an incredibly easy schedule. They've got uh, the Nets up next, then the Pistons. The Cavaliers on uh, this coming Friday, and then the Mavericks, the Hawks, and the Bucks. So just two off, two playoff teams, and the, the rest okay. of their uh, what is it, six? Yeah, six remaining games. So you know, it it should be pretty easy for them to lock up that third seed. But you know, Cleveland's been on a tear. They're what I think they've won seven of their last eight, maybe even eight of nine. So you know they're both playing well right now. It's it's going to be they're clicking. <laughs> regardless of who the Wizards face. That's a tough matchup. Um, would it be any easier if you're you know if you're in the Wizards' shoes? Maybe you slip back into that number seven spot and you're playing the Celtics instead of either uh, Cleveland or Philadelphia. Would you, would you think that's a preferable route by any means? Um. Not necessarily, no, because even without Kyrie Irving, Boston is an incredibly dangerous and well-coached team. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much talent on the court without Kyrie Irving as Cleveland or Philadelphia may have. Uh, Philadelphia in a seven-game series, like they're all they're all very young. They haven't experienced these things before. 
Washington versus Philadelphia out of Boston and Cleveland, I think, is the best matchup for them. Um, that being said, going up against Cleveland in round one, that could be a fiery series as well. Washington against Cleveland, I, that would be a great first round series. And yeah. I think Washington has the tools to really push Cleveland. I think that could be a long, exciting series whenever you're going against the bottom of the playoffs. So, like, it, it's daunting. But as far as looking susceptible, like, I don't think I remember. A LeBron-led team that looked this, like you said, they're playing good recently, but um, from the team around him, it's, it's a lot of unknowns, especially in the playoff atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it might be there for the taking. If the Wizards can show up, play consistently, and have a good run of health, I, I think they can, they can really push Cleveland in a seven-game series. Yeah, and by the way, we were just talking about uh, how the Celtics have you know, not really missed a beat with Kyrie missing. They they've won uh, six straight, so you know, definitely not not the team that would be ideal uh, in terms of how they're rolling on all cylinders right now. And their final couple of games are going to be a little bit tougher. They've got um, so they just beat the Raptors. Then they've got uh, the Bucks on Tuesday. The Raptors again. Your Chicago Bulls, and then uh, Sunday Sunday is against the Hawks, which is a little easier. The Wizards. And finally, ending their season against the Nets. So, how many playoff teams is that? That's three playoff teams. I think that's a good transition point. Once again, I want to talk a little bit more about Joel Embiid and just the character that he is, some of the stuff he's been doing on social media. So, one more time, Locked On Wizards uh, show here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Network, Nothing But Net Station. Um, I am here with Alex Friedman, who is from Chicago. Um, and he's been following the Bulls basically since he rolled out the, uh, out of like the hospital and into um, the United Arena. <laughs> he's yeah, he's been a Bulls fan and knows a lot about not just the Bulls but the NBA in general. So walk me through some of these tweets from Joel Embiid. Uh, a lot of people will think he's just playing, which he definitely is. But you know he's he isn't able to play right now because of his face fracture, occipital lobe injury. He's been tweeting some some stuff that's getting a lot of action. Um, a hundred thousand likes, a hundred eight thousand likes for uh, a tweet with Harvey Dent from uh, what's it called the Dark Knight with his kind of two faced look, saying "Sitting here, hi, watching the game," like picture of Harvey Dent. And then he mentions marijuana or some sort of drug once again when he says, "Man, am I high? Or are these dudes like so hot from free- three? Come on." Finally, uh, one that garnered, you know, twice the amount of likes as that Harvey Dent one. <laughs> Tweeting at Rihanna, who he, <laughs> said, <laughs> he said, babe, are you single or not, Rihanna? And can you go through the history of Joel Embiid and Rihanna real quick for our listeners? I mean, I do remember when he was injured, uh, before he had set foot on an NBA court, uh, he was chatting up Rihanna, and I'm pretty sure Rihanna said, uh, come talk to me when you're an all-star. Right. And uh, lo and behold, the man became an all-star. He got injured, I think, and missed the all-star game, but uh, I, I do not remember if he ever reached out to her after becoming an all-star, but um, they've definitely had a, a little back and forth over the past couple of years. Joel Embiid is hilarious. He's a character. Um I find it very refreshing. At the same time, he is being paid a large amount of money to be a professional basketball player, and I can see how some of these 
things can come off as a distraction, maybe give off the impression that he's not focused, that his head's not in the right place. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, I, I don't think what he's done has been all that damaging. But at the same time, if I were in his shoes, maybe reeling it in a little rather than expanding upon what he's been doing recently would be the way to go. But um, I don't know what sort of conversations he has with the 76ers front office, what sort of expectations they have of him off the court. But, um, I mean, he's, he's been a little bit of a cavalier. He's been uh, pretty outspoken, and it's, it's funny. It's, it's garnering attention, and it's, it's good to watch. It's good entertainment. Do you have any idea what kind of medication Joel Embiid is on as he recovers from his his surgery is it medical marijuana do you have any clue because he's he's talking about <laughs> being high quite a bit i have no idea if it's painkillers or, or what it is but he for yeah. an orbital fracture i would have to guess it was some sort of painkillers okay yeah i mean if if it's you know something you're prescribed post-surgery totally cool like the doctor's giving it to you um if you're self-medicating with marijuana i guess it's not legal in in pennsylvania but uh, I just, as from like the GM's perspective, as we were chatting before this, like maybe he should scale it back a little bit because his team is in the midst of, you know, trying to maintain their, their home court advantage in the playoffs. And just maybe this isn't the right time to, to be adding all these distractions when you're yeah. gearing up for postseason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're Probably just a half not, game ahead of the Pacers. What's that? Medical, me- medical is actually been recently legalized in the state of Pennsylvania. So oh. it is possible, I suppose, but at the same time, I highly doubt it. And I'm sure he's just on painkillers and not actually smoking any weed. Yeah. I, I guess I must've been thinking <laughs> recreational instead. Well, mm-hmm. so I, I guess that'll probably wrap things up for, for this podcast here today. Um, Alex, I appreciate your insight as always. And, um, last thing, uh, should, are the bulls, like, would you rather see them play well at the end of the season or kind of, I mean, there's only a few games left, but do you want to, like, were you surprised that they won this game or were you frustrated whatsoever? What's the status in Bulls camp? Do you want them to try and bump up their percentage points just a little bit or at this point just, you know, prove that the young guys have some talent and see some more, like, 30 or 40 point performances from Markkinen? Ideally, both. Ideally, we <laughs> 40 play points every and a game loss. hard. Markin puts up 40 points per game, and we lose by one. Okay. Um, but um, it is good to see them play well. It is good to see them win. Um, at the same time, with the way the season has gone, the draft is what we're playing for. So seeing our odds increase for a better pick is definitely something I personally would want to see. Watching New York creep up on our, our number eight slot is uh, a little disconcerting. So uh, hopefully we could finish where we are, if not better. Um, better being lower in the standing. <laughs> but the uh, that being said, like, I absolutely want to see our young players play well. Um, we have a lot of guys on our team with a lot to prove. It'll be curious to see who can stick around for next year and the seasons to come after that because I think we got a, a few good role players um, on the current roster. I think we got a few guys that can definitely stick around for a long time and be a part of a winning culture and a winning basketball team. Definitely some certified wizards killers, that's for sure. In terms of um, 
uh, Bobby Portis, he's a Wizards killer in more ways than one after he broke Tim Frazier's nose and kind of concussed uh, Tomas Sadoransky. But then Denzel Payne always comes to play when he's... Wait, did I say Denzel Payne? I meant Denzel Valentine. <laughs> Denzel Payne is a dude I went yeah, to high school with. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, definitely you got some talent there. Um, real frustrating game to watch from the Wizards side of things. But we'll see how, they, how things shake out uh, the rest of this week. So the Wizards uh, started this week off with a loss against the Bulls. They're traveling to Houston on Tuesday, and then the Cavaliers on Thursday in Cleveland before hosting the Hawks to to round out the week. Um, And then they just have two games left uh, back-to-back, hosting Boston and then traveling to Orlando on Wednesday, April 12th, to end the 2017-2018 regular season. So Alex, one more time, thanks again. Your shoes are coming soon, I promise you. I apologize about that mishap. It's been great having you on Locked On Wizards here on uh, Dash Radio's Nothing But Nut Network once again. And I look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Always a good time. And uh, take care. Happy Easter, happy Passover, and uh, happy Sunday. Happy holidays, everybody. Take it easy. Talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.